Hello and welcome to the First and Ted podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana. We are back after a brief trip home and a brief fall break. I'm feeling relaxed. I'm feeling rejuvenated. I'm feeling ready to do a podcast. And joining me, as always, to do just that, is Reed Murray in Columbus, Ohio. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. It was a great fall break for me, getting to go home, do some cool stuff in Nashville, eat at some amazing establishments, and now... Back in Columbus, ready to get things going. Of course, big game coming up this week. We'll talk about that later this week when we do our next preview episode. But lots to be excited about. It feels like a super preview kind of week, Reed. I think we're going to have to dedicate a lot of time on Thursday to Penn State, Ohio State. But in the meantime, we have got some games from this previous weekend to break down from week seven of Big Ten football. So, Reed, uh, I'll let you start. You got to catch all these games uh, from your lovely hometown of Nashville, Tennessee. Who was your winner of the week? What stuck out to you? Uh, I'll let you take it from here. Well, I'm going to, you know, go a little bit outside of the box on this one. And I'm going to say the new Big Ten is the winner of the week because mm. the hell of a game we saw between Oregon and Washington. You know, the Oregon-Washington move was a bit controversial. We talked about it over the summer. How both of us had, you know, kind of some issues with that decision to add those teams to the conference. And there was also some news recently about certain schools in the Big Ten who voted against the move. Um, and of course the, the rule or, or the, the announcement is always that it was a unanimous decision, but you know, that's really a, a unanimous decision after discussions and some people are going to be pro, some people are going to be con. So there is a little bit of, of heat coming over in Washington's way, or there has been for a while about them joining the conference from fans, coaches, et cetera. But these two teams had a phenomenal game on Saturday. One of the most exciting games of this season, one of the most exciting games in recent memory, um, two phenomenal teams. And of course, your boy, Michael Penix, yeah. he led us to the victory. Washington and Oregon, two top 10 teams joining this conference. And again, you never know how good a team is going to be next year, let alone five years from now. But at least this year, you look at these two teams and say, wow, they played some exciting football. They're coming to our conference. That is phenomenal. So the winner of the week, I'm going to say the new Big Ten teams. And USC, of course. Let's, they yeah. Let's not go there with USC. The newest of new Big Ten teams. Yeah, the, the super new Big Ten teams. And, I, Reed, I, I don't think the issue, at least from a football perspective, with that move was ever going to be the on-the-field product because I think exactly. it's pretty clear that those – are two of the best football teams in the entire country. And I left even more impressed with Oregon than I was up coming into the game, to, to be completely honest. Even though they didn't win, I still think that there's a real path to the playoff for them. And, yeah, for, for Washington, Kalen DeBoer, Michael Penix, the, the two former Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, if you see me crying, I, I can't tell you if it's happy tears or sad tears, but uh, it might be tears all the same. Uh, definitely a really exciting uh, time to be watching the Washington Huskies and for us as Big Ten fans to have them entering the conference. And, I think uh, it's going to be a whole lot of teams just like that, where they play that exciting brand of offensive football. If they can find another quarterback, and I think they've recruited pretty well at that position. So it should continue after Michael Penix, although he is undoubtedly a special player. And as we've seen in Bloomington, a very hard player to replace. Reed, I somehow missed that story about teams voting against, a, a, you know, or reportedly having issues with uh, the new teams joining the conference. What schools were those? Now, I, I'm not sure exactly, and, and maybe I should have done more background research before bringing it up on the podcast, but I saw it uh, on Twitter. I, I want to say there were representatives at Ohio State against the move, but don't quote me on that. We're not quoting uh, you. It was it was still, I, I believe, and, and who knows, maybe this was a completely bogus report, but I just saw it, and, and it, it popped into my head when talking about this. Let me actually do a little bit more background research on this and come back to it if I can find something, but I did see something online about um, reports of teams – 
who did oppose the move and then later favorite. Yeah, interesting read. I, I think, you know, one thing we pride ourselves on this program, RJM always does his homework. He is going to do that right now because I, I didn't see that. But, hey, it's worth talking about because I think that's a really interesting talking point uh, if that was reported. So uh, we'll come back to that in a second. But in the meantime, Reed, I'll give you my winner of the week. I'm going to zag while everybody is down on them, while everybody's hating, while everybody is saying they don't deserve it, they aren't good, they aren't fun. I don't care what they are is a winning football team. My winner of the week read it's the Iowa Hawkeyes and particularly on the offensive side of the football. It is the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I know what you're thinking, Iowa really, yeah, they won, but they played an ugly game and it was boring. And it was the sloppiest game of football you've ever seen, whatever. I don't care. Iowa won. They submitted Wisconsin with their style of football and they did enough to win the game on offense, including uh, an explosive play with uh, Williams running for that 82-yard rush, as well as pretty much all afternoon, Iowa was able to run for chunk at will and just pound the ball down Wisconsin's throat. So what, they can't throw it? Maybe they don't have to throw it. And right now, Iowa is firmly in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West with a real chance to to win out and go 11-1 and with Minnesota Northwestern, Rutgers, and Illinois coming up. None of those are road games. They have one game at Wrigley Field, and, and that's a neutral site, I, I guess, technically, even if it's you know significantly closer to Northwestern than it is to Iowa. Iowa fans are going to travel. I'm sure there's a huge crossover of Hawkeye fans and Chicago Cub fans who are going to do anything to buy those tickets. But uh, Iowa then has to close out the season at Nebraska. There's a real chance that this team goes 11-1 and and goes into the Big Ten championship game with Hold your breath, a real chance at a playoff berth. Gr- granted, they'd be heavy underdogs against any of the three remaining Big Ten East teams with a chance to make the playoff, which are Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, of course. But the fact of the matter is they would have a shot. And Wisconsin this week, you can't help but credit Kirk Ferentz and this coaching staff for putting them in the position that they are right now because this is not the most talented football team. Uh, this is not the most explosive football team, certainly. But it is, in my opinion, the most disciplined football team and the toughest football team, maybe in the entire country. And it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of strength in the trenches to win a game 15 to 6. And it also takes an opponent that's kind of incapable of scoring, which Wisconsin was this week, granted. But you don't see these score lines often against, at the very least, a competent Wisconsin team. So credit where credit is due to Iowa. I was impressed by this performance in spite of what the stat sheet might look like. Well, yeah, this actually kind of leads me into my loser of the week. I'm I'm sort of going to go the opposite direction of you on this one. I'm going to say my loser is people who want to see an exciting Big Ten championship <laughs> game. I never call them exciting, at least. I don't lie. That's true. That's true. Um, because Iowa more or less clinched a spot in the Big Ten championship this week. Of course, they still can lose that spot. It's not officially clinched, but... All they have to do is is win the majority of their not-so-challenging games that remain. So, yeah, they are pretty much – you can sort of pencil them into Indianapolis. And we saw earlier this season, 31 nothing against Penn State they lost. And, of course, time can, can change a team and they can become better. We saw it with Wisconsin in 2019. They got destroyed by Ohio State in the regular season. Then in the title game, they actually played them pretty close. So time right. can sort of do things. But either way – I still think you look at the style of football Iowa plays and you look at how they perform against Penn State and you think, can a team like that really compete with whoever comes out victorious among Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State? 
I say no, and I say it's going to be another one of those Big Ten championships games like we saw last year with Purdue and Michigan and the year before with Iowa and Michigan, where it's just going to be, you know, it'll be a primetime game on main network Fox, and it really will will probably be a massacre, unlikely to be worth watching for non-fans of the teams or non-fans of the conference. And uh, it is a little bit of a shame because as although the East is likely, and, you know, we don't want to, you know, see into the future too far but the big east or big 10 east will likely go undefeated in big 10 championship games as long as the two divisions exist in the past though the west has put up strong fights in in a handful of games but in the final three seasons of the big 10 west i do believe that they will be pretty poor showings from the division in each of those games so my loser of the week now that iowa has more or less clinched that spot is people who want to see a back and forth big 10 title game yeah, and I'm not sure there's a single team in the West right now that could give you a back-and-forth game. Nobody's explosive. Nobody's very good, Reed. Not, none of these teams are particularly talented. Iowa's at least tough, and Iowa's disciplined, and Iowa's well-coached, even if they're about as fun to watch as paint drying. At the very least, they play their own brand of football, and they establish themselves in the trenches, and they don't commit penalties and they play Iowa football with a capital I and uh, Hey, that's something at least Wisconsin has no identity right now. And uh, I think that is an issue of its own that needs to be discussed at a later time, but Hey, maybe that's a loser in, in and of itself is, is just kind of the state of Wisconsin's program right now. And if it weren't for the big 10 West being the big 10 West, I, I think Wisconsin would right now be staring at a 500 or even a losing record at this point in the season, which under year one of Luke fickle, when everybody was really expecting them to improve in a big way, I think is a huge disappointment. This is a sneaker as one of the bigger letdowns in the entire conference this year is Wisconsin, just given uh, the state of the Big Ten West and the way that Wisconsin teams in years past under Paul Chris, under uh, Brett Bielema, under a whole lot of different coaches have been able to capitalize on some weaker opponents. And this year it just doesn't feel like uh, they're going to be able to do that and get themselves to the Big Ten championship game. But uh, my loser this week, Reed, it's Turtle Truthers. I'm going to talk about it later in the program, but people who believed in Maryland, you have been duped, including myself. We're going to talk about this later. There's more to the story here. Reed, you can add something right now, or we can bring it up later when we really get into this one. But I thought it was going to be different this time, Maryland. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we fell for it. And we always talk about on the show, September Maryland. And I even didn't rank them when they were, what was it, 5-0 and or was it 4-0? 5-0. Uh, 5-0 going to the Ohio State game. I didn't have them ranked because I wasn't going to fall for September Maryland. I wasn't going to fall for this team that traditionally does well early in the season and against poor opposition. And I said, you know what? They showed me a good performance in the shoe. I really like what I see out of Tagovailoa. They're just overall a pretty strong team. And then they go out and lose to Illinois. And this is not last year's Illinois. This is a much weaker Illinois team than we saw last season. And we were duped once again by September Maryland. It's like the, it's kind of like Texas and Miami and Texas A&M in the last five years where, where people just keep falling for it. Nebraska even in Tennessee for a while. But this is just Maryland early in the season. And we were made fools once again. Reed, are you familiar with the concept of the greenie tees? I'm not. 
So on the ESPN radio show that doesn't exist anymore, Mike and Mike, Mike Greenberg was one of the hosts of the program, of course. Oh, I'm familiar with Mike and Mike. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, back before school, I would, I would watch it when I was a kid. But um, before every commercial break, Mike Greenberg would do these teases to their next segment where it would just be like the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard just to get your attention and keep you watching. I'm going to give you a greenie tease for Maryland that we're going to talk about later in the program. Coming up. Is Maryland in danger of missing a bowl game? We'll be back right after this. Now we actually are going to take a quick break and bring you back to the second half of this program where we will talk about if Maryland is in danger of missing the bowl game because I think it's a conversation worth having. Uh, so stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Back here on the first and 10, ready to get into the second half of this week seven recap. But before we get into that, Reed, um, we talk about our game of the week first. But before our game of the week, a quick update to Reed's winner of the week. We led you on earlier saying we would give you an update to that story about teams potentially being opposed to the new additions in the Big Ten. Reed, what did you find? Yeah, so this is a Ross Dellinger story on Yahoo. And he was talking about just the move in general with Oregon and Washington playing this week and kind of all the different things behind the scenes that you don't see when, when these teams are joining a conference. And at one point in the story, he was talking about um, Fox adding some more money to the, to the media deal and, and the universities that are already in the Big Ten discussing potentially adding these teams. And here is the excerpt I want to read. That doesn't mean all schools agreed. Ohio State, Michigan, and especially Penn State were first against more expansion or were at first against more expansion. Though they eventually voted for the move, leaders in State College expressed disappointment to the point that one administrator described their feelings on adding Oregon and Washington as no effing way. So there you go. Spicy. The big 10 teams were against these two teams joining the conference, but eventually, whether it was for more money on the table, just discussions changing their mind, whatever it was, they were swayed a different way, and now here we are. Reed, I feel like this could add some real like vitriol and some spice to a potential Penn State Oregon matchup or Penn State Washington going forward. I agree. If there's someone on either of those sides who really does their homework, they can make a great college game day sign out of that. Yeah, or even in just a, a press conference. Like I could see an Oregon player next year saying if they're playing Penn State or whoever, I, I forget what the schedule looks like exactly. They don't want us in this conference. They don't think we belong here. That's bulletin board material. No effing yeah. way. Bulletin board material. If I'm Dan Lanning, if I'm Kalen DeBoer, we're playing Penn State. I am pinning that on the locker room that we don't belong here. They don't want us. They don't think we we can hang. Well, DeBoer has a chance because Washington heads to Beaver Stadium next season. That'll be a fun one. Potential whiteout, I think. That, that could be a really, really, really cool matchup, especially if Washington keeps up this momentum. And, boy, that's going to be a good Penn State team next season. Uh, that's kind of been the year, 2024. Everybody has had circled as the one where Penn State breaks through with this current crop of guys getting into their junior year. But uh, that's an issue for next season. Let's worry about week seven of 2023 while we're in it, Reed. Game of the week, I think, has to be Wisconsin and Iowa as really the lone, not lone competitive game, but the most important competitive game uh, between two teams who have something really to play for. Although I could think you could say Rutgers is playing for bowl eligibility. Uh, Illinois is fighting for their lives. And, and Maryland was fighting for a, a shot to get to a real bowl game and gave that away as well. But Wisconsin and Iowa seems to be the biggest game 
of this weekend and I think did not deliver anything out of the ordinary for these two teams. Reed, we talked about Iowa in the last half of this show, but let's talk about Wisconsin for a second. This has really been a letdown in Madison this year. What's gone wrong for these Badgers, Reed? Well, I've seen a lot of griping about the play calling. And honestly, I went into the season thinking Phil Longo at Washington or Wisconsin, excuse me, just talked about Washington earlier, that Phil Longo at Wisconsin was going to be huge. He's going to modernize this offense. They're going to be this air raid or the dairy raid. The dairy raid, yeah. And, you know, everything's going to change in Madison and they're going to be able to run the ball in, pass the ball well. And as much as I was in Wisconsin, the one thing I did say about them in the offseason that I was a little bit skeptical on was that every story I read about them was about how they're going to be good at passing and running, and they're just going to be great at everything. And it just seemed like a little bit more like you kind of do have to key in on some things and emphasize some things. And you can't just say, we're just going to be great at everything. Um, because it's kind of like when you highlight every page in a book, you're highlighting, highlighting no pages. Um, and there were, you know, I, I read some serious critiques of Longo about how, you know, he doesn't know how to call plays the right way. He's utilizing his weapons the wrong way. I mean, he's got a phenomenal running back that he just, isn't really running as much as he should. It's a little bit reminiscent of 2015 when Ezekiel Elliott wasn't getting the ball as much as he really should have, and it caused a few problems for Ohio State. Um, and I've also seen people talking about how North Carolina is doing better now without him, and that was part of the reason I was so in on him at Wisconsin this year was that he was so successful at North Carolina with Drake May and just the rest of that offense. Now all of a sudden North Carolina is doing just fine without him, and you see Wisconsin kind of failing in offense, you start to wonder, is Longo the guy? And I think a lot of people in Madison are starting to say no. Reed, there was a point in this game where we had, do you want to guess how many consecutive punts? Oh, goodness. I'll guess 10. Let's count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Halftime. Eight punts, Reed. Wow. Eight in a row. If you don't uh, love that, you don't uh, love Big Ten football. That's like There's 21 nothing. Savage right there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Punts in Punts my, in my Big Ten game. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking for a second you were going to do a little uh, Sesame Street. One. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> well, count, count Von Count, 21 Savage. Uh, no matter how you get to eight, that was a thing that happened in this game. There was also a stretch in this game, Reed, in the second half where we went field goal, punt, field goal, punt punt field goal safety punt 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 fumble field goal interception end of game that was the entire second half let's talk also quickly about the stat line of the game deacon hill six for 14 37 yards i want to puke i gave the iowa offense credit earlier for doing the bare minimum is this what the bare minimum looks like to you i would say in passing no i mean Lashawn williams was great but so the overall offense, I guess I could say, was the bare minimum, but you cannot pass the ball for 37 yards in a college football game in 2023. Yet somehow they did it, they won, and they're going to continue <laughs> doing it and continue winning and go 11-1. and one. What world are we living in? Um, ah, goodness. They can't keep getting away with it, Reed. They can't. And yet they will. This was the biggest test they had left on their schedule. Penn State, you know, they already played them and lost by 100 points. This was it. It's smooth sailing, likely, for Iowa from now on. And that's without Cade McNamara. They got this one done. All they needed was 37 yards of passing. Uh, Truly unbelievable times we're living in. 2023 in Iowa can get away with this. It's it's the Burnley ball of 
college football, if you're picking up that soccer reference to those out there, it's the most dead style you'll ever see, but damn it, it works. And uh, sometimes all you need is the W, and certainly for Iowa, that applies this week. A huge W it was, an interesting W it was not. Player of the week, Reed, uh, I, I think you can stay in this game and give it to Williams as your player of the week. He, he was really the reason Iowa won this one. He was their only sign of life on offense, but I am going to go outside of this one and give it to another running back. Kyle Manungai from Rutgers. Here's a game where Rutgers down late, they storm back to win this one. And the catalyst for their offense there in the second half, he's the guy it's Manungai and just absolutely that 21 yard rush. Uh, to, to win the game. Huge, just absolutely huge. Not Nothing else you can even say about it. 148 yards and 24 carries. He got a score as well. Massive. Uh, Rutgers has a real chance to clinch bowl eligibility next week in Bloomington. They needed to get this one and they got it. Six and six is looking likely for Rutgers, who is sitting five and two, but the schedule is not going to be easy from here on out for the Knights. Uh, it's going to be Indiana on the road this coming week. And that spread is not as big as you think it is right now. Uh, I've seen IU with within a, a touchdown. I think it's a five point Rutgers line, which I, I don't think I agree with. But I don't think this is as much of a gimme for Rutgers as, as you might think it is. And they close the season out with Ohio State at Iowa at Penn State and then Maryland at home. And Maryland certainly looks a lot more winnable than it did just two weeks ago. But it's not going to be an easy finish to the season for Rutgers, but they needed to get this Michigan State one, and they did it because of Kyle Manungai, and now they're in a real chance to get to a bowl game at 6-6. Six and six. Well, you know what's going to happen with Rutgers now is they're going to beat Indiana, they're going to be 6-2, and two, and people are going to start ranking Rutgers in the AP poll and the student media poll. Right now, the student media poll doesn't have anybody voting for Rutgers, but I guarantee you if they beat Indiana, they have six wins in a Power 5 conference. Some people are going to be putting Rutgers on that ballot. And it's it's a little bit skewed by the opponents Rutgers plays early in the season versus the opponents they play late. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it'll last. But, I mean, they're going to be sitting at 6-2 and two, most likely. Now, it's no guarantee they beat Indiana. They did not crush Michigan State. So, Indiana definitely has a chance here. But there is a real world where you're looking at 6-2 and two Rutgers, which just feels like we're playing a video game or something. But you know what? Credit to them. The Rutgers fans, they deserve that because they've just gone through so many grueling years, especially since joining the Big Ten of just – Terrible records, not winning enough, and, and I'm I am happy for the Rutgers community that they're getting to see a more successful football team this year. Yeah, absolutely, a, a crazy turnaround from even just four years ago. Uh, what Greg Schiano has done with this program, the fact that they're sitting five and two in October, it's uh, it's really impressive, regardless of of who's been on that schedule. So credit to him and credit to this Rutgers program. They're in a great spot right now. Reed, who's your player of the week? I'm actually going to go back to the Iowa-Wisconsin game, but I'm going to go in a different direction from you. I'm going to say Sebastian Castro. He got a pick, two tackles for loss, and seven total tackles. Just a force on defense. And we talk about how in the Big Ten West, defense is what win games. And especially with Iowa, defense is what wins games. And so he was really the, the top performer. Jay Higgins also, former first and 10 guest, had a great game. But Former God, first and 10 guest. Say, say it a little louder for the people in the back. Former first and 10 guest, Jay Higgins. Thank you. That's our but, guy. That is our guy. Gotta we have a lot a of guys on this Iowa team. We got Jay Higgins. That's our guy. We got Nico Rags. That's our guy. Are we all in yeah. on Iowa, Reed? 
But, uh, you know, especially the biggest shout out of them all goes to Castro this week. Just a phenomenal game, kind of reminiscent of Josh Proctor for Ohio State the week before. Just kind of just played a big role in this game. And uh, and you, you got to give credit to the defensive guys in these Big Ten West games. So he's my player of the week. Iowa has quietly been cranking out a ton of defensive backs at the NFL level as well. And it, it looks like Sebastian Castro could be the next one of those guys. So uh, huge ups to him. Great game. And the Iowa defense ultimately was what got it done for the Hawkeyes in this big win against Wisconsin. All right, Reed, Wheezy's of the week. I'll let you start here. It's Wheezy F. I'm going to go ahead and say Wheezy F, baby, and the F is for four missed kicks. The Purdue-Ohio State game had four missed kicks, three on Purdue's side, one on Ohio State's, first of which – actually, I'm not sure. I think it was the second of which um, sequentially. I'm not sure, but one of them was a just terrible missed extra point for Ohio State's Jaden Fielding. Um, just completely shanked it left. I do wonder if, if he slipped before kicking it or something. Um, but then three missed kicks for Purdue, one of which was a 27-yarder. And then just to make it even worse, they had a fan come out during a break <laughs> in the game to kick field goals for uh, for some sort of giveaway. The fan made a 40-yard field goal, and then the, the kicker on the team missed the 39-yarder. <laughs> just bad scenes when any Joe Schmo out of the student section can make a kick you can't. I and, think the uh, fan might be a friend of former First and Ten guest Leo Dagan, by the way, who tagged him in his Instagram story and congratulated really? him for making the kick. So shout out, wow. shout out to that guy. Well, you always hear these jokes about like, oh, just g- grab some kid from from the student section or grab some kid from the soccer field and get him out of the, you know, maybe Purdue actually needs to do that because uh, some of their students apparently have pretty strong legs and evidently and and they did struggle in the kicking game against Ohio State. Those were I mean, Ohio State did play a complete game and dominate Purdue, but there were multiple times where Purdue put together solid drives. They couldn't kick. And, and maybe if you just make one or two kicks, you just stay in the game a little bit longer and maybe you have something to build on. But when you just have that goose egg on the scoreboard after multiple good drives, it just demoralizes you. And I'm sure it made it harder on the entire Purdue team to not be able to knock down kicks inside the 30. Yeah, that's uh, you got to take the layups, right? And I think that's true in, in any sport, whether it's in football or especially in basketball, where the reference obviously comes from. Take the easy ones. If you can get those, you put yourself in a great position. And they didn't take the easy ones. They didn't take the gimmies. Didn't make your layups. And if you're not making your layups, what can you make? And for Purdue in the kicking game and really in every facet of their game, they wouldn't get they weren't getting much of anything. And now it looks like their season is all but over. Read Wheezy F baby for me. The F is for fools because that is what the Maryland Terrapins made of us. Reed, I teased it in the last half of this program, but let's talk about it. Is Maryland in danger of missing a bowl game? This was an absolute speaking of gimmies. Gimme win for Maryland against a terrible Illinois team that had been struggling. They'd been on a losing streak. They hadn't had one impressive game all season. And Illinois comes in and beats this Maryland team on the road, a last-second 43-yard field goal for the win for the Illini. Reed, Maryland, to close out the season, they go to Northwestern this week, which, hey, if Illinois at home isn't a gimme for them, I don't think Northwestern away is, especially given the voodoo that can happen at Ryan Field at 11 a.m. And uh, I can only imagine it's going to be cold and windy in uh, Metro Chicago this weekend, Chicagoland, if you will. They've got Penn State at home. They've got Nebraska on the road. They've got Michigan at home. They've got Rutgers on the road. Reed, after the performance we saw from Maryland this week, September Maryland strikes again. We fell for it. 
every single year in the history of this program, the first and 10 that the program, not the Maryland program. So Maryland has the great September. And then in October, they fold, they collapse, they give it away. They did it again. But Reed, after the performance we saw from them this Saturday, is there reason to believe that this Maryland team could lose out? Am I insane for asking that question? I wouldn't say you're insane, but I would say it's pretty unlikely. I agree, but it's not impossible. Northwestern Nebraska Rutgers, even if Maryland's on a skid, it's likely they beat at least one of those teams. Yeah. I still think they beat all three. Um, I, I don't I Rutgers away. Yeah, Rutgers away at the end of the season, too. That that could be, yeah. That could be challenging. I think it will um, be. I, I'm not saying Maryland will easily win any of these games, let alone all of them. And I don't think you're insane for asking the question, but I do I do think Maryland will win at least six games, if not seven or eight. I'm I think they get four for now. I think they get to six on the dot. I think they get one more and I think they lose the rest. I think they'll get one of Nebraska or Northwestern. I think more likely Northwestern and then lose the rest because right now, if you can't if you can't handle this Illinois team at home, who can you handle? Because there was a real chatter that Illinois might be the worst team in the Big Ten, either Illinois or Indiana or Northwestern. And Maryland, of course, handled Indiana by a lot. But then they lost to Illinois. And uh, an Illinois team who, again, against really bad competition in the out-of-conference looked unimpressive. They snuck past Toledo and FAU. They lost to a bad Purdue team, got absolutely obliterated by them, lost by multiple scores to a bad Nebraska team. Uh, got crushed by Penn State, got crushed by Kansas. That score is not as close. The, the score looks a lot closer uh, than the game was against Kansas. There was a lot of garbage time points, but by Illinois. Reed, this is a not good Illinois team. They're, they're, I would say, bad. And I said their season was over after the Purdue game. I wrote them off. They found a way to win this one. I, is there a path to six for them still? Or do you think it, it was fair to, to write them off after that Purdue game? Impressive win here, nonetheless. Well, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say any team has a path to six at this point in the West just because there's so much inconsistency as far as who's actually good, who's not, and just even good teams slipping up. I mean, mm-hmm. Maryland, I would still consider a good team, and they had a massive slip up against Illinois. So there is a path, but you need to win three out of five games. And Northwestern's not a guarantee. Indiana's not a guarantee. Minnesota's not a guarantee. Wisconsin, again, possible, but far from a guarantee. And then Iowa, I don't think they beat Iowa on the road. I'd say no chance on that one. So, I mean, th- those are four games they could potentially win, but to have to win three out of those four, and I don't even know if they'd be favored in half of them, I would say Illinois still will miss a bowl game, but it, they are a team to keep an eye on now. It's possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, not a result any of us expected, but it's the result we got, and that's the beauty of college football sometimes. you got to love the upsets. Never gets old. In September, Maryland, no matter how far we try and run, no matter how badly we want to believe, it never goes away. All right, Reed, last thing before we close this one out. Your SMP ballot, how did you rank the teams this week? Yeah, so if we're looking at my SMP ballot, the the top teams are largely the same as they were last week. Um, And the Big Ten is kind of the same, except I took Maryland out. So Michigan, number one, Georgia, two, Ohio State, three, Washington, four, Penn State, five. If we're talking future Big Ten teams, I got Oregon, eight. USC at 14 and UCLA at 24. Um, so all four future Big Ten teams in my ballot. But yeah, 
That top five is the same as it was last week with Washington swapped in for Oregon. And Oregon, I didn't drop them too far because I thought they were they played a phenomenal game. And if one or two things goes differently, they win. They're in the top four. I really didn't even want to drop them to eight, just but Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Florida really good to me. And so I just kind of had to bump them up. Um, so this isn't me saying, Oregon, you lost, and I'm going to put you four spots down. It's more so just there are just four teams who are – really good and undefeated and they had to go above you. I have Oregon um, at eight too, but there's still a real chance for them to get the playoff. Oh, I agree with that. And, and I think obviously it's less likely than, than Washington at this point, but that, you know, all they got to do is win out and then win the conference. And if they see know, Washington again in the PAC 12 title game, I think they beat them. Yeah. On a neutral I think, field. I think they beat them. It's tough to beat I mean, a team what twice. A, what a good game that would be too. I mean, I, I do hope those teams, those two teams play each other once again for the sake mm-hmm. of the rivalry and just exciting TV. I love watching uh, just games like that. And it's a shame that I believe that game is going to be on a Friday because the Pac-12 championship is typically on a Friday. Um, honestly, they should flex the Big Ten one to that Friday and then put the Pac-12 primetime Saturday night. <laughs> There's a reason awesome. the Pac-12 is dying, Reed. It's because of decisions like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think I, I'm really excited for this number three versus number five on my ballot. And then I think, what is it, three versus six on the real SMP uh, official rankings. Yes, it is. Um, between Ohio State and Penn State. Michigan, just once again, a strong performance. Yeah, they, they they let one trick play by Indiana get into the end zone. But other than that, just kind of a strong day from them. So couldn't bump Georgia ahead of them. Kind of just looking the same as it did last week for the most part. Shout out to Rod Carey for drawing up exactly one awesome play for the Hoosiers. We led 7-0. You'll never sing that. So nobody can ever take that away from IU. But I do have Michigan still in that one spot read. Georgia 2, Ohio State 3, Washington 4. Got Oklahoma 5, Penn State 6. And I have all four of those future Big Ten teams ranked as well. All right, that'll do it for my ballot. But Reed, real quick before we close this one out, you got any shout outs you want to make? I'm going to give a shout out to Loveless Cafe, specifically our waitress Maria. Um, we went there in Nashville, well, actually in Franklin. It's in the Nashville area, Franklin, Tennessee, Loveless Cafe. It's a really famous spot. We actually had to wait an hour and a, an hour and 45 minutes to get a table there. So uh, we were dedicated, and I will tell you it's worth the wait. Um, that food is phenomenal. It's something you have to do if you're in Middle Tennessee, uh, especially if you're there for the first time. Loveless Cafe gets my shout-out. They gave me a der- terrific breakfast bowl, and the service was phenomenal. The biscuits, oh, they're to die for. So Loveless Cafe, you're my shout-out of the week. Uh, I'll give a shout out to, of course, I was in South Bend this weekend for the Notre Dame USC game. I'll give a shout out to my guy, Arthur, who was playing bartender at the tailgate and had a specialty cocktail that was just extremely green. And it was made with some sort of Japanese melon liqueur. It was good. I'm 21. I enjoyed it. Shout out to Arthur. He did a great job uh, making those Japanese gin and tonics. Big fan. All right, Reed. That's it for me. That's it for you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back this week with a week eight preview, including some discussion about Penn State, Ohio State. Can't wait for that one. It's going to be amazing. It's the first of the three Big Ten East powers playing against each other this season. What more can you ask for there? Huge stakes on the line this week. We'll talk about that and more this Thursday. Until then, for Reed Murray, my name is Patrick Feltz. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.